Tonight's narrative is made possible by viewers like you and Hover.com, an easy way to find and register a domain name. Use promo code REACH to get 10% off. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. Do you know where your democracy is tonight? Because there's a lot of news around the world about democracy under fire. We'll go through the news from Peru. We'll go through the news from Germany, plus all the latest from the, the investigations into Jan 6th and Mar-a-Lago. All of that is coming up on the show. You know, there has been a lot of news tonight, especially around the events in Germany that are fascinating to us because they are so similar to the things that we've been experiencing in the United States. And it certainly has never occurred to me that Germany would be one of these countries that would be facing an attack on its democracy, an attempted coup by a rogue group of individuals, 25 arrested around the country in Germany, all of them indicating that they were going to storm the Reichstag and absolutely take control of the government in an attempted coup. There are lots of interesting tangents that we can look at there and connect that to what we've been going through in the United States. So that's one of the big stories we'll be coming to tonight. And tonight, by the way, is the last show of the season because there's going to be news in the next few weeks so even though this isn't the there won't be any more official shows it looks to me like we're at least to do one more show around the 21st when the january 6th report comes out plus the news does not stop these days so we'll definitely bring you more news than just tonight's show but tonight is the official last show of the season and it's been a good one we've had such an interesting year talking about everything from the dragon's tail the investigation into china which just a few months ago I don't know if it was just our imagination, but it didn't seem to me like a lot of people were talking about China as the main threat to the United States. And suddenly, within three months of that story, that series breaking, and at least starting on a narrative, there is a lot more attention to China. And of course, it's not us who's doing that. It's the fact that the world is paying attention. But it is interesting how much has changed in terms of just 90 days, how much the world has shifted from being focused on Ukraine and Russia to being much more focused on China. It's an indicator that even these little upstart news organizations like Narrative can, on occasion, run the right story at the right time. It's nice to be like that every once in a while. We'll take a commercial break. And don't forget to support our sponsors. They're very important to us at Narrative. Without them, we could not make the programming that we make for you on a regular basis. It's really important for our sponsors to be supported. So if you are interested in a domain name, boy, have I got a deal for you. Hi there, it's Zev from Narrative. Have you ever had a great business idea but just didn't know where to start? One of the first steps to building a new business is a domain name by Hover. That's because it's more important than ever to have an online presence and your domain name by Hover is your first step in building your online brand. For a limited time at hover.com forward slash reach, you get 10% off. Hover makes it quick and easy to find the perfect domain name for your business with over 400 available extensions. And with their connect feature, you can easily connect your Hover domain name to many popular website builders with just a few clicks. Plus, Hover offers free who is privacy. That's free who is privacy that protects your personal information from being released online. Don't let the complicated search, sign up, and connection process of other domain providers stop you from starting your online brand today. Hover makes it easy to get started. So, what are you waiting for? Find your perfect domain name at hover.com 
forward slash reach. Plus, Narrative Live viewers get 10% off right now. If you use the promo code REACH, that's R-E-A-C-H, or go to hover, H-O-V-E-R dot com forward slash reach, R-E-A-C-H. Let's get to the news of the day. Let's begin in Germany. So this was a surprise story to, to certainly to me. It's occurred to me that QAnon has become an international thing. There are people around the world who believe in QAnon. But to imagine that there is a movement as sophisticated as the one that was stomped out in Germany, where 25 people were accused of plotting a coup in, in Germany, of all places, one of the most stable democracies in the world. Boy, that begins to raise some interesting questions about the internationalization of QAnon and the whole extreme right that we've been experiencing here in the United States. Is it taking root in other countries? Now, the report itself was pretty stunning. We woke up this morning with news that 25 people had been arrested in 11 different states. It was a pretty broad nationwide hit that they'd taken. And over 11 different states, meaning that it was as broad and diverse as some of the January 6th arrests, which happened all around the country. These certainly seem to take place all around the German countries as well, which is an indicator of how widespread this movement was. Now, just reading here from the BBC, 25 people have been arrested and in raids across Germany. The group of far and ex-military figures, so this reminds us a lot of the Oath Keepers in many ways, have prepared for day X to storm the Reichstag parliamentary buildings and assume power. So the same kind of idea of what we went through in January the 6th happening in Germany, or certainly that was the plan, it seems, by this group of right-wing extremists and former military figures who planned on day X as the day they were going to attack the Reichstag. A man named Heinrich the Thirteen. Um, it's really interesting that there's an aristocratic figure attached to this. We've long looked at the extreme far right here in the United States and wondered just where are they getting all this money from? And a lot of the time, the answer comes back to the monarchies the, of the world. And here we see the first sign that I've seen in a long time that there is actually a member of, a, I guess, a well-known family in Germany with royal roots. And he's declared himself Heinrich the Thirteenth, And as part of their plan, they reject the German state, or they were going to reject the German state and implement the sort of dictatorship in its place. And that is what they thought they were going to get away with. They were not obviously able to get away with it because their plot was stopped by the German police. They were able to arrest the 25 people in question. But the similarities with the rest of the January the 6th movement certainly go quite, quite deep and quite far. One of the things that really stuck out to me was a comment there by the interior minister, Nancy Fraser, I think is her name. She just used a term which I had not heard very many, many other places except here on narrative, the idea of the enemies of democracy. She said, we're going to respond with the full force of the law against the enemies of democracy. That's a term that we coined here on narrative many years ago as a way to catch all these different entities that were opposed to democracy into one catchphrase. Because how do you take a, an aristocrat and a, a former paramilitary guy and maybe a neo-Nazi and a QAnon believer and somehow fuse them into one term? It's very hard to do, except if you look at what they're trying to do as a political goal, which is end democracy. And it's really interesting to see the, the Nancy Fraser, the interior minister of Germany, using that term for the first time, as far as I can tell, in Germany to define or to describe this group of people that try to take over the uh, 
uh, Reichstag or had planned to take over the Reichstag on day X, whenever that was going to be. So keep that term in mind as we continue to explore these various attacks on democracy that happen both in the United States and elsewhere around the world. There is definitely a considerable amount of uh, growth in this movement around the world. So even though in the United States, maybe we've overcome the January 6th movement a little bit, we've sort of back in its place. It does not feel like that around the world where there has been a continued growth of anti-democratic fervor. The other interesting thing of this report is news that the suspects came from the QAnon movement, or at least some of the people came from the QAnon movement, who believe their country is in the hands of a mythical deep state involving secret powers pulling political strings. Of course, the QAnon movement also goes into various other things like child abuse and tra human trafficking. But at its broad definition, there, that is accurate, that that is about this deep state has the secret powers and are pulling political strings. Quite possibly, it exists. I've never been able to prove it, but quite possibly, there are entities out there that are controlling the way the politics is working. It wouldn't surprise anyone that there'd be influences or forces outside of our traditional politics that are creating politics and that are creating winners and losers in politics. But the QAnon movement here in the United States is known for the human trafficking piece of it and the broad allegation that there's a lot of Democrats involved in this child abuse ring. None of that, of course, is true. I don't know how quickly or how deeply that has taken hold. That same kind of idea of a pedophile ring has taken hold in the German version of QAnon. It goes on to say yeah, that the Reisberger group aren't new. They predate the pandemic, which is interesting, but the audacious plot indicates increased commitment and radicalization, which could go hand in hand with the growth of the pandemic disinformation online. And that is interesting that this entity plus the entities that we've been talking about here, the various groups that are uh, pushing for January the 6th, a lot of those groups all had to share this one common thread amongst them, which is the idea that the vaccines and the COVID-19 were really a way to control society for there to be a control over humanity and that the virus itself was designed as a way to get control over people and to force them to have their vaccines and whatever else nanotechnology might be implanted into your body when you take a vaccine, which could in fact ultimately control your mind or however these conspiracy theories go. They're very familiar to all of us now, but certainly that's the kind of stuff that we're very aware of in the United States and Canada. It's interesting to see that it's now arrived full force in, in Germany and making its appearance so well known. Interesting as well, in one of the social media posts that was put up by this group, they talk about a lot of other things that we've become familiar with, including the disinformation around the war in Ukraine, but also they post about this idea of the sovereign citizens movement, which has become a feature here in the United States of this QAnon sovereign movement, where you've got sheriffs around the country saying that they're the ultimate authority in a particular country and that they do not have to recognize the federal rules. It's interesting to see that that is in fact one of the themes that is being picked up by the German version of our Jan 6 movement, our independent movements. So what's the takeaway from all of this? The takeaway is that in my opinion, too much similarities for there to just be a coincidence that there is very likely the same kind of forces that are underpinning the January 6th movement in the United States to the same kind of forces that are underpinning the same thing in Germany. It just seems too coincidental if suddenly we had the same concerns around vaccines and sovereign citizens and this aristocratic sort of fervor and all this coup planning. That all seems too similar for it to be coming from different forces. It's very likely as a result of the same kind of 
polarization and radicalization that we've seen in the United States and in Canada since 2016 and even before that with Russian disinformation and Chinese disinformation, you know, dividing a country, polarizing a country in order to create an environment where that country could then undergo some big political change. So that's the story out of Germany tonight. It's definitely worth keeping an eye on because if there's a movement that has been able to, they've been able to capture of 25 people, quite very likely there is um, many more people out there who believe in that. I and mean, if these people are already going kinetic, it means that there's many others who are quietly in agreement with them, which means there could be a minority of people in Germany that would not be unhappy if there was some sort of revolution, the same kind of numbers that we've seen here in the United States. Let's turn to Peru then, because this is breaking news this evening and we're still following the developments, but it's fascinating to see how quickly and strongly that country has moved to protect its democracy. Earlier on today, the Peru's now president, Pedro Castillo, was spotted at the police premises after he was arrested. He had been trying to make an escape to Mexico with his family and some belongings, which he had taken from the Peruvian state. And he had been attempting to dissolve Congress earlier on the day. So something happened along the way. In the morning he woke up and decided he was going to dissolve Congress. Congress was not that appreciative of his attempt to dissolve them. And they landed up impeaching him. After they impeached him, he then quickly tried to escape the country by driving in a small convoy to Mexico, but they did not let him get away. The lawmakers were able to get the police to stop him. And then he was supposedly taken into their custody. It's unclear if he was charged or arrested for anything. While all of that was going on, he was impeached by the Congress and Dina Bularte, who is a 60-year-old vice president of the country, was named the president. So um, Peru now has a, a new leader, Dina Bularte, who takes over from Pedro Castillo. The dramatic chain of events began with the president Castillo giving an address to the national television in which he declared a state of emergency. He announced that he would dissolve the opposition-controlled Congress, a move which was met with shock in Peru and everywhere else around the world. Several ministers resigned in protest. The head of the Constitutional Court accused him of launching a coup d'etat. The United States strongly urged Mr. Castillo to reverse his decision, and Ms. Buarte accused him of breaking the constitutional order. Peru's police and armed forces released a joint statement in which they said they respected the constitutional order, and then Mr. Castillo made the move to dissolve Congress just hours before it was due to start its fresh impeachment proceedings against him, the third time that Congress had tried to impeach him since he took office in 2021. So a lot of impeachments in just over a year. He has accused those aiming to remove him from office of trying to undermine democracy. When in reality, it seems that democracy stood up quite well. This is the way democracy should, in fact, function. When you've got a president who's trying to assume power, who's trying to dissolve Congress and take power away from the people in an apparent coup d'etat, it's remarkable here that very peacefully the Congress was able to impeach him and replace him. Uh, and there are institutions of democracy in Peru, obviously quite strong in order to be able to preserve this kind of order at this very chaotic time. In his televised address, he said, in response to citizens' demands throughout the length and breadth of the country, we have decided to establish an exceptional government aimed at reestablishing the rule of law and democracy. That's what's happening in Peru. Keep watching the story because what we're seeing around the country is continued attempts to disrupt democracy. And whether you're seeing it in Germany and when you're seeing it now in Peru, these things are happening everywhere. It's worth mentioning while we're still on the democracy note here tonight, that the person of the year for Time Magazine is Vladimir Zelensky. And the spirit of Ukraine certainly has been impressive the way the Ukrainians have been able to keep up an incredibly emboldened fight against the Russian invaders. 
And it's certainly due to his leadership that, that they've been able to persevere to such great extent, but also their ability to be unified and positive in the face of you know, terrible adversity. The Ukrainian people certainly deserve to be on the cover of Time magazine for the person of the year. And Vladimir Zelensky certainly deserves a place of honor there as well. While we're just trying to give you some more details on the latest news, I think it's worth mentioning that there was an indictment today involving a very prominent Russian spy, a Russian intelligence asset. And the U.S. Department of Justice has decided to indict Andrei Durkish because he's, you know, he wants to live in the United States. The guy wants to buy homes in Beverly Hills, live the big life in the United States, having spent the last few years really trying to destroy America. You'll recall that in 2019 and 2020, during the, that election cycle, Durkash was involved in enormous amounts of attempts to introduce disinformation into the political system, especially around Hunter Biden. So just in the days after Twitter and Elon Musk published these so-called Twitter files, which have very little to do with news, but they claim there was some news in there, but there really wasn't, about how Twitter was handling the Hunter Biden allegations. Well, the guy who originally surfaced those allegations is a Ukrainian parliamentarian, or was a Ukrainian parliamentarian, but was also at the same time a Russian intelligence agent. Well, now he's been indicted. You might recall it was Andrei Durkash who was with Rudy Giuliani during those really unfortunate visits to Ukraine where Giuliani could not make more of a mess of things for himself and, uh, and attempted to come up with various conspiracy theories to derail the Biden campaign. This is the guy that organized that. He's very close to Putin. You can see there's a photograph of him in a huddle with Putin a few years ago. He claims, of course, not to be a Russian agent, but that's what one does, I guess, when you are a Russian agent. He's also been tied to the Russian mafia and has admitted on tape to killing a Ukrainian journalist, which is quite a stunning allegation. So there was a seven count indictment unsealed today in federal court in Brooklyn, charging Andrei Durkash with a conspiracy to violate the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Bank fraud conspiracy, money laundering conspiracy, and four counts of money laundering in connection with the purchase and maintenance of two condos in Beverly Hills, California. Durkash allegedly purchased the properties in violation of new U.S. sanctions imposed earlier this year and concealed his interests in the transactions. So he is on a sanctions list. You're not meant to be allowed to buy fancy properties in Beverly Hills, but somehow Durkash was able to do that using various other mechanisms to pay for the properties, the two condominiums. And clearly he's not going to be allowed to do that. Now he's still at large. He's been indicted and I don't suspect he's going to come back to the United States, if he is in fact in the United States. Breon Peace, who's the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of New York, Michael J. Driscoll, an Assistant Director in Charge of Federal Bureau of Investigations of the New York Field Office, and Andrew Adams, the Director of the Task Force of the Klepto Capture Unit. You know about the Klepto Capture Unit. That's the unit that's been set up in order to catch all these oligarchs and in the money laundering and other efforts. This is a good quote. The conduct of this Kremlin asset who was sanctioned for trying to poison our democracy has shown he is ready, willing, and capable of exploiting the banking system in order to advance his illicit goals. The U.S. will not be a safe haven where criminals, oligarchs, and sanctioned entities can hide their ill-gotten gains or influence our elections. That's according to the USA 
attorney, Brion Peace. This office, together with our law enforcement partners, will use every tool available to prosecute those who evade sanctions and abuse the U.S. financial systems and will identify, freeze, and seize criminal proceeds wherever and whenever possible. Now, it is interesting that this is the guy who is pushing the Hunter Biden claims. There are many Hunter Biden claims, as you'll recall, some involving China, some involving Ukraine, and also, of course, the sexual allegations. That's interesting that he has been indicted and the timing happens so soon after Twitter. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives.